Hey, would you grab your Bibles and turn to John 8? Let's read our text this morning and then we'll get into looking at what the Lord has for us today. John 8, and we're going to read 30 through 36. Let's back up. Let's go to 28 so we understand fully what 30 means. So, so Jesus said to them, when you lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And as He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today in this room on this rainy Sunday in December 2020. And we need, we need you to speak today. We need clarity today. All around us, there are lies and there are all kinds of things being pushed And we need to hear the things that make us free. And that's just one thing that is everything to do with you. So Spirit, will you empower me to boldly and clearly proclaim the hope that is found in Christ. Thank you, Father, that you sent the Son. And Jesus, as the Son, thank you, you laid your life down. And we pray in your name, Jesus, the great name above all names. Amen. Kids, you guys can go. Everybody else, you may be seated. I want to talk today about being free and what being free in in Christ truly looks like. I want to bring us back to what we began several weeks ago in John chapter 8. Jesus went to the temple and as he was teaching there, they brought a woman in who had been caught in adultery. And the question of John chapter 8 that's been running through it so far from this initial encounter is, what do you do with sinners? What, do you, what does God do with those who um, have, have not believed and have not come with Him and come to Him by faith? Can they be forgiven? Is there a way for them to, to know who He is? And, or do we just condemn sinners and leave them in their separated state? So you've got the woman... And then John chapter 8 gives us another picture of those who are also great sinners. They don't think that they're great sinners, but they're the religious leaders. And by the way, they are just as guilty as she is. Their sin is not less than her sin. Hers may be more visible and maybe look down from man's eye. But in the eyes of God, their hard-hearted rejection of God is also sinful and just as sinful as what she has done. And so they were not really interested in really the woman and her holiness and seeing any kind of restoration, but they were interested in what was Jesus, what was his perspective of people like this woman. And so John 8 has unfolded for us how Christ sees people like the woman, but also how Christ sees those whose hearts' hearts fight him, rebel against him at every turn. So in this section, Jesus is going to shine more light upon their perspective of him, what is happening and taking place, and the darkness that is inside of their hearts. They will continue to reject Christ, and this refusal will keep them from the truth. And what they are longing for is standing in front of them. And his words and who he is and what he will do in the days to come by laying his life down, offer to them everything that they need. In spite of their rejection so far, Christ will once again give them a warning, and he will once again call them to faith. 
and an invitation to freedom. And I don't know about you, but I am so incredibly grateful today for the patience of God. That He puts up with our rebellion and He puts up with our hard-heartedness and He puts up with our, I know more than you, God. So let me run things. Let me be in control of my life and in the world. His patience is astounding. So I want to bring us back to how we closed last week because I think it has everything to do with what we're going to look at today. So Jesus has been teaching in the temple. He's been sharing with them. And He tells them, if I am lifted up, then you're really truly going to know who I am, that, you're, that I am the one that you must place your faith in. And He's been calling them ever since John chapter 5 to believe in Him and to come to Him. But they're standing there with their Pharisee garb. And they've got all kinds of things, and they look good, and, and they are look, ta- look like towering, religious, spiritual, God-fearing men, but they are not. And Christ has been calling them out for this, and they are rejecting Him, and they were rejecting His words again. But on the outside of this group were people maybe like us, and they were listening to Jesus talk. And when Jesus finished this message... The Bible just simply says there in verse 30, and as he was saying these things, do you know that you can believe in Christ in the midst of the preaching? You don't have to wait till the band gets up here again and starts playing and I call people to come. You can believe right now. And as he was saying these things, John writes that people around there just did this. They went, I believe. I believe In you, Jesus, as my Messiah, as my Savior, and they came to faith. And I want to start today by reminding you and I that salvation comes from the proclamation of the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing, Paul writes in Romans 10 verse 17, and hearing through the Word of Christ. So here's Jesus, He is proclaiming in the temple, the religious leaders are not going to believe But people standing around, they believe as Jesus speaks. Now later, Paul will also write this letter to this church in Rome, and he will communicate that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. But then he will also share, right after that verse, verse 17, 18, 19, and 20, that he will give a perspective of the Jewish response to the coming of Jesus. And so I want you to listen to these words because it's what Paul writes later, decades later, is exactly what is happening in the temple that day with the religious leaders. And here's what Paul writes right after. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In verse 18, Paul writes, But I ask, has not everybody heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So the gospel is going to go forth. The gospel is going to go out so the people will hear the truth. And then Paul writes, but I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous. Listen to what Moses says. I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. And with a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then Paul writes, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who weren't even seeking me. And I have shown myself to those who didn't even ask for me. What is he saying? Paul's saying this. Christ had come for the whole world, but He had come to reveal Himself among the covenant people of the Jews. They were rejecting Him. They would continue to reject Him. They are continuing to reject Him. And so the Gospel would go forth, and people not even looking for Jesus... Would Jesus would reveal Himself. The Spirit would reveal the glory of who Christ is. And all over the world, people would come to believe in Christ. And so that's why Isaiah was so bold to say, I've been found for those who weren't even seeking me. And I've shown myself to those who didn't even ask for me. It's the hope of the Gentiles. It's the hope of the nations that the gospel goes forth. And there's this revelation. And then Paul writes in 21, but of Israel, he says, but of the Jews, he says this, all day long, I held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. In that text there in Romans 10, written decades later after Jesus stood in the temple, is exactly what continues to happen today. 
The gospel is the hope of the nations. The gospel is the hope of our lives. It's the hope of our families. And God is holding out his arms to a hard-hearted, disobedient, contrary world that says, no, God, I know better than you. I'm going to be in control, and I'm going to be the one who does this in control of my life, leading my life where I want it to go. But I just want to remind us in the room this morning that what we are doing is the most important thing that can happen on the planet today. Proclaim out loud the hope of Jesus Christ. And so Christ proclaiming his, his word, people believe. So how do you know who has believed? Is there some kind of evidence to allow us to know who are the true believers? Who are those that have truly come to faith. And let's look at the second thing this morning. So how do we know who has believed? Is there evidence that indicates belief? Look at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him in verse 30, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Let's read 31 again because it's critical for our time this morning. So Jesus said to the Jews that were standing around as he was teaching, who believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So Jesus is telling those who have been listening now who have come to faith, he is sharing with them, this is how you know that you have come to faith. This is one of the clear identifying marks that you have come to faith. There was a way that revealed that, that someone had come to know Christ, that true faith had come in a person's life. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him two key things. It's about sanctification, about growing, about remaining, about staying with him. And by staying with him, there would be an identity of embracing his words, holding on to his words that would give us identification with who Christ is. So let's talk about these, and this is really important. And I'm about to walk around the room, so be ready for a moment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to highlight some stuff for us, for our lives, that I think will help us to understand things. And the first thing I want to talk about in point two is I want to talk about sanctification. And look at the first phrase in the quotations of what Jesus says in verse 31. If you abide in my word. Now, when you and I read the Bible, I really want to encourage us, don't skip over words. Every word of God is important. In this verse, there's a two-letter word that is really important, and it's the word if. If you remain in my word, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you stay with me, and you embrace my words, and my words and who I am become your very life, if you abide in me, then you will know whether or not you belong to me and you are my disciples. So let's make sure we understand what the meaning of this word abide means. It means to remain. It means to stay. It, it means to hold on to something. And in this context, it means to hold on to its teaching to hold on to his word, because Christ says here, if you abide in my word. And so it means to, to not just know the truth, know facts, but it means that we are to live the truth. And so I'm going to come down, and in the center of our room, and some of y'all just walked all over my artwork, and I guess I'll forgive you, okay? So here's the There is life, and it's in Christ, and so if we want to experience life, we must have a relationship with Christ. And as that relationship with Christ begins, we want to remain, we want to abide, we want to hold on to his teaching as a Christian. And those who abide and remain and and read and study and live out and walk in that truth, it begins over time to give evidence that there is something about our life that we know has been changed, and that's Jesus. And we want to know Him, and we'll talk about more of the benefit and the, the blessing that comes from that. So true believers come to faith in Christ, and they remain, they abide. Now those that just play church and just play the game, they do this. They pop in, and then they pop out. 
And then they'll go, oh, I think I'm going to go over here and I'm going to I'm going to do this or I'm going to I'm going to come here or now I'm going to I'm going to come to this. And then, oh, it's Sunday. I'm going to pop back in because that's what you do on Sundays. But then the rest of the week, I'm going to come here and then I'm going to I'm going to go back here. And they spend their life going and pursuing everything but popping in and out. Now, I'm not talking this morning about losing your salvation. What I'm talking about is this is that if we have truly come to know Christ, Jesus is saying here, those who have become my disciples, they have a distinctive thing that marks their life. They remain, they stay, they abide in the words of Christ. They become the very pursuit of their life. Now, do they make mistakes? Yes. Do you make a mistake? Yes, I make a mistake. So it's just not talking about do we want to remain and abide but then sometimes we don't, and we make a mistake. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about that the overarching pursuit of our life, if we claim to be a believer, is marked by abiding in the Word of Christ. Now, the religious leaders, they couldn't dispute that Jesus had done miraculous things. There was evidence all over Israel. He went through the towns and villages preaching the gospel, and Matthew 9 says, and healing every disease and sickness. So there are just people everywhere who had been healed through all kinds of different things. But the problem they had with Jesus was not his works. What was their problem? His words. They didn't like what he had to say. They fought him constantly on his words. Now, he would call them, look at the works, look at the works. They give evidence of who I am Um, And so look at them, but their big problem was they didn't like what he had to say because it was contrary to the established word tradition of men that they had put together. But for us as believers, I came to Christ at 17, 38 years ago. And who I am today is not perfection. Any amens in the room? Brad says amen. He's the only one. He knows. There's no perfection in this life but Jesus. The perfect one has come to reside in me, and my hope is not in me being perfect. My hope is in the one who is perfect. That's where my security lies. But I can look back at age 17, not knowing what to do as a new believer, and now at 55, a young 55, I will say, And my life has been transformed by remaining in the Word of God. By making it be a priority. And I haven't always done it perfect. I've always not read it perfect. There have been days in my life. Can I be honest this morning? There was a day this week that I didn't read my Bible. I should have. I didn't. I'm, I'm like you, even though this is my job and I should be Reading, I didn't. I didn't have, there was a day this week I just wasn't overly motivated. And I didn't. Listen, but the, oh, it's not a day. It's not a brief period of time. Jesus is saying, you want to know that you know me? The overarching pursuit of your life through the years will be spent in abiding in the Word of God, holding on to the teachings of Scripture. And that will mark your life. And so there's a, there's, there's, this is the growing part. This is the sanctification part. If you are a confessing Christian today, and you have been confessing that for 20 years or more, or 15 years or 10 years or 5 years, and there's been no change of your life, I will just say this this morning, you have not remained in the Word. Because when you remain and abide in the Word, you know what naturally happens? There is transformation. That happens there is growing. There's a letting go of the things of this world and, and a transformation that happens and takes place in our life. And so, so here Jesus is saying to them, if, 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 this is the key. Now that you have believed, if you will remain in my word, this is what you will know. You will know that you are truly my disciples. This is the idea we move in and stay. What becomes our home? The words of Scripture. The words of the Bible. Joshua said it like this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do 
all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have a good success. So our sanctification comes by remaining and abiding in the word. And then guess what happens? Our identity is shaped by where we remain. Where you and I live and what you and I hold on to, what you and I embrace, that shapes our identity. Why is there, watch this, why is there so much confusion in the Western church and the American church? Why is there confusion? If we remain in His Word and we embrace His teaching, why is there such a loss of identity among people who profess Christ? Why are they confused about whether my truth is the truth or the Bible's truth is the truth? Why is there confusion about gender? Why is there confusion about money? Why is there confusion about roles between men and women? Why is that? The reason is, is because we have not abided. And a big part of it is churches haven't preached the truth. Because when the church proclaims and holds people to remain and abide in the truth, that that becomes the shaping mechanism of our lives, then there's an identity that begins to take place that we know that I am his disciple. How do I know that I'm his disciple? Well, my life looks like his word. My life lines up with the word. James said it like this, in James 1, and following, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he's like. If someone is like someone who's in the circle, this is my identity, I see the truth of God's word, I see the reality, and then they walk away and they go over and they act like money's over there on the wall um, written on the floor. And money now is my God, and they look and they just totally forget who they are. And so James says, For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the one who abides and remains in the scripture, the law of liberty, and watch this, this is key, and perseveres, stays, stays, remains, abides, holds on to the teaching, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So these would reveal, Jesus says, how we grow and how, we, how our identity in Christ is shaped. We are to be word-centered people. This is how we know we belong to him. We, we, we welcome the truth to be taught. We welcome the truth to fall upon our lives. We welcome the light to shine in the darkness of our hearts. True followers endure, they obey, they stay, they continue, they abide in the teaching. And the words of Jesus are the important issue here for us to see this morning because this is what they are fighting Jesus the most on. It's what they get angriest about with him when he's standing before them at his trials. When, when they can't find any witnesses. We read that this week, you remember that? They can't find any witnesses and so what do they have to do? They have to lie in Matthew 26. And then... The lies aren't even sustainable. And so Jesus, in a sense, gives them something for them to get angry about in their worldview. And he tells them this, yeah, I'm the son of God. And he knew that that would set them off, and it did. And the high priest tears his robes, and they begin to mock him. So I can't say it enough, and we talk about it all the time. Guess what is the most critical thing in our lives? The Scripture. It's how we understand who God is. It's how we understand how He works. So what happens when we abide and we stay in that circle? We hold on to the teaching. What is the fruit of that? And look at 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you, what? Free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So our abiding, remaining in the Word of God shapes us, transforms us. Our identity comes connected to the Word of God, which leads to a freedom. Not to a bondage, but to a freedom. And that freedom allows us to know more of the truth. 
And the more we know of the truth, watch this, it correlates. The more we know of truth, the more freedom from sin in our lives. So Christ is sharing with us critical, critical things. If you will remain in my word, embrace, hold on to my teaching, make my words your life, your home, don't pop in and out and then go back to the world and make a big deal about what the world has to say. Stay in me, and as you stay in me, you will know more truth. And the more truth that you know of me, because I am the truth, here's the fruit of that, you will become more Free. There will be more freedom and less bondage in your life. See, the truth of Christ liberates us in the light. But remaining in sin keeps us in bondage and in the darkness. So I want to talk about this just a, a, a little bit more before we move on to the next point. Our culture today views Scripture as not the absolute truth. Our culture today really just really professes and speaks in a very strong way is everybody gets to have their own truth. And so truth is not foundational. It's not something you can stake your life on. It's something that moves and takes new shape and um, has new names and it's just fluid. It's not something that is solid. And this is very critical for us as believers in a culture today, particularly all the things that are going on around us today, that we would embrace the Scripture as the truth. Now, as we talk about truth, we have to say this, that Jesus is the truth. And knowing Jesus as the truth means that we will affirm certain realities that are in the Word as truth, that we must follow those. And we know that Jesus himself in John chapter 17, 17 says that the word is truth. So he's truth. The word is truth. There are certain unshakable things that are true about who he is. And our culture, again, affirms that truth can change and adapt in each moment. I can have a truth today and tomorrow when I feel different, I can change my truth because my feelings are different. And then a week from now I can change or I can go to this other group who has this truth and there's just all of this shifting sand moving around to truth. And I just remind us this morning that that is not the case. That is not truth. There is one truth and it is connected to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and it is most revealed in the person of Jesus. So he says here, you abide in me and you will know my, you are my disciples and your identity will be with me and that identity will set you free because there's a power in my word. There's a life-changing thing that happens in my word. Now, I've got some things hidden under here and I'm going to bring them out. I've got some books. And I want to make a statement because I, I want to make it clear. So I've got Harry Potter book here, Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't even say that right. I don't even care. Here's George Orwell's 1984. I've got Charles Dickens' Tell of Two Cities here. All books that I've read except for Harry Potter. I've got Mockingjay here that have been made into a movie. Now, our culture will do this. Watch this. Our culture will say this. These books are equal. This is a book that's just written by man. It's not inspired. It's not sacred. These words are written by man. Our culture... We'll make a big deal about these things and our culture will really greatly fight this. But I want to make a real clear observation this morning. This book here, the Bible, wasn't written by man and then God breathed on man's words and it became the word of God. You know what the Bible says? God breathed out the word. He breathed it out. It came from the very essence of who he is. So did human writers write it? Yeah. But because God was breathing out on them to write sacred scripture. This is critical. These books, and I've read three of them, are all right. Stories. This book has become my life. I stake my life on what it says. And freedom 
is not going to come in our lives when every other language and every other book and philosophy and thought and this becomes the very dominant thing in our lives. And so Jesus says, if you want freedom, you want to know freedom, it's going to come in truth. Truth is going to set you free. And so here's the thing. If, if you abide and you remain and you hold on to my teachings, your identity is going to be connected to who I am and who I say you are and my blessings connected to the Word. And the more that you know that, the more truth that you know, the more free you will be from the entanglements of this life. And the Word of God does not speak of itself as containing the Word of truth, but the Word is the whole truth of God. It's not like a bucket and just poured words in there and then God breathed on it or whatever the case may be. No, this is, this is the Word of God. It's the, it is the literal Word of God. Isn't that amazing that that has come to us today that we can know who he is? And so the word of God is also not something that's simply true, but it is the truth itself. And the embodiment of it is seen fully in Jesus. John 17, 17, Jesus speaking says, he's praying and he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Notice he doesn't say your word is true. He says, no, your word is truth. It is actual truth. And knowing Jesus as the truth sets us free. Now hear this church this morning. One of the main reasons we've got to get to Jesus, we've got to know who he is. Because once we come to know him, we come to know something absolutely amazing. This baby in Bethlehem, this baby that was growing in the womb of Mary and that is born in this stall in Bethlehem, in that little body was the fullness of deity. God had come as a human. He was in a body, a little baby boy. Listen to what Paul wrote, Colossians 2.9. For in Christ All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to, listen to this, you have been brought to fullness. So He is all God. You are in Him in salvation. Guess what has been brought to your life? All of the fullness of who God is. That's why Peter wrote in 2 Peter, we have been been given everything that we need for life and godliness. We're not waiting on something to come on Monday tomorrow with the Amazon driver to ring our doorbell and say, it's finally here. No, it's come in Christ. And I tell you, all around us, people have their own version of truth, their own claim about what they think that looks like. And what I find incredibly interesting today with all the truth claims in our country today, we are the most unfree people in the history of the world. Jesus said truth sets you free. Then why aren't people free who have truth claims? We know that as believers that only he can do that. And I believe everybody has, a, has their own version of truth. But that word truth in that sentence is a lie. There is only one truth. And the truth is Christ. And so this relativistic truth that dominates our culture is lies. And it's why people are still bound. And I want to plead with this room this morning that if you've come to Christ... And that's true in your life. I want to plead with us this morning that we mark today, this December day, is the day that for the remainder of our lives we remain and abide in the Word. Instead of going, popping in, popping out, and going to other things. That today would be the day that we would nail that down. You see, I've got words all over the room. I've got money. 
I've got relative truth. I've got slave to sin. I've got gender confusion, which dominates our culture today. My truth, darkness, anger, man-centered life, lies, bondage, die in your sins, enslaved. Marxism is rising. We're separated. Fear dominates our culture. There's racial confusion. There's cultural lies. And I, if this becomes, let's say this, if my truth becomes the truth, this isn't truth. It's a lie. If gender confusion becomes the embracing of somebody in their life, this is a lie even though they say it's my truth. The only place that you find freedom is here. You all with me? This is it. And so with gender confusion, with relative truth, with being a slave to sin, with being embracing Marxism as the answer, whatever the case may be in our country today, oh, people call that truth, but it's a lie. And you know what you have in in our country today in some of these areas that we've just mentioned here is you have such brokenness among those people. Why? If it brings freedom, how's that working? Well, it's not working. Why is it not working? Because there's only one who sets us free. And it's Christ. And it's the truth that is found in Him. And so, so Jesus here saying to these religious leaders one more time, you don't know the truth. I am the truth. And I'm inviting you to leave your man-centered ways, your man-centered tradition, and I'm inviting you into a relationship because you're not free. You are not free when you embrace a lie. You're not that. And so he, he calls us to see the freedom that comes in Him. And so what happens to those who reject? What's the next thing? They choose to remain in captivity to sin. So verse 33, so they answered Him. And I want you to hear the haughtiness because it's haughty. I mean, I want you to hear the arrogance here. They answered Him. We are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, can I ask a question this morning? I'm asking it anyway. I'm going to ask a question. How free had Israel been in their history? They had never been free. Rarely had they been free. So you've got these guys standing before the eternal God, dwelling in deity, dwelling in bodily form. There he is. And they are telling him, We're children of Abraham. We're not enslaved to anyone. Oh, yeah? Slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Eventually enslaved to Babylon. They were enslaved in Persia. The Greeks had control of Israel. They are currently in bondage to who? Rome in the text. They could just look around and there are Roman soldiers likely in the temple. Oh, we're not, we're not enslaved to anybody. They were slaves to the law that they couldn't keep. They were enslaved to the world system for they were of the world. And they were enslaved to their own sin nature. Jesus has already been telling them, you're going to die in your sins. And then he will tell them in a few weeks, we'll look at in John eight forty four, you're enslaved actually to your father, who is not the father in heaven. Your father is actually Satan, the father of lies. They're not free. And I tell you today, we could stand on the name Dallas Cowboys, and boy, that won't get us very far this year. It won't get us far in a Super Bowl year either. There's a lot of name claiming in our culture today, in religious type things, and here they are, they're claiming the name of Abraham. How free had claiming the name of Abraham made them? It hadn't. You know why? Abraham couldn't free them. The promise from Abraham could free them, who was Jesus. And so they're claiming to a man who couldn't free them, but Jesus could. You see, those who embrace a false faith never really see their own bondage to sin. Well, guess what those who are 
who choose to remain in sin, you know what eventually they do? They become a slave to sin and they practice it. They just can't help it. It's what they do. Look at 34. So Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And this is all around us today. The work and movement of men, the work and philosophy of men, the books that men write, the poetry, the paintings and statues and monuments that men put up. None of men's work ever brings spiritual freedom, ever. It only keeps people bankrupt and in bondage. And without Jesus, we stay separated from God, but with Christ, we are united with Him. And so you receive the truth of Christ and faith comes into a life. It is the only way for those who are spiritual slaves to sin to ever be free from the prison of sin and to help them come to an understanding. Jesus tells them how they can know that they're not free and it's that they continue to remain in sin and to reject him. So this is a direct reference Jesus speaking about here that whoever practices sin is a slave to sin are those who continually, habitually, and willfully just practice sin and don't care and don't worry about it. They are not believers. And again, it's a bit laughable looking at their history. For them to say they were never in bondage for their history reveals that they were never really rarely free from their own design and their own control of their own lives. And the confusion in those that are slaves to sin dominates our world today. All right, there's two last things that we just want to touch on as we finish. Look at 35. So Christ says, the slave who's not born of the house, the slave does not remain in the house forever. But the son remains Forever. And so we're not for sure exactly what Jesus has in mind fully behind this. It's possible that he's speaking about Ishmael and Isaac, the children of the promise. There's a possibility there. You know that Ishmael was born to Abraham through the slave woman Hagar, and that was not to be the line of the promise, and they had circumvented and tried to fix the dilemma that was there in their life and it was sinful and they should not have done that and so it's possible that what Jesus is referring here is connected to Isaac and Ishmael um, with that now we know um, Paul writes about that in Galatians about this idea as well with uh, Ishmael and and Isaac in Galatians chapter 4 and and speaking about that but the point of this is simply this a slave is not born of the family so the slave is not going to get what an inheritance What's a son get? The son gets the inheritance. In Psalm chapter 2, it's a messianic psalm. The father tells Jesus that I'm going to ask of me and, and I'm going I'm to give you the nations. It's a missionary messianic psalm that he's going to give the nations to Christ. They will be his great inheritance, his great honor that the nations will come and they will bow down and they will worship him. But just sixthly, sixthly this morning, if I can say that right, the Son is the one who remains forever. And so if you want to remain forever and be a part of the family, then you've got to be connected to the one who remains forever, and that's Jesus. So the slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. And sadly... Many people who find themselves trapped in their sin just go from one place to the other and never come to Christ. They may have heard the message of Christ, but they reject it. And their life is just dominated by habitual sin because they never come to the Son. But there is coming a day when the servant of sin will be removed from any opportunity to come to faith in Christ and will be removed from that in God's eternal judgment. And they will be removed, and they will be gone from the house of this life, and gone from God's presence, and gone from hope for all of eternity. If you remember back in Genesis, 
Ishmael taunted Isaac, and you know what you know what Abraham did? He removed Ishmael and cast him away. And this will hap- this is what will happen to those who taunt the Son of God and mock the Son of God and make a mockery and step on the blood of Christ and apostate themselves by rejecting Jesus. They will be removed from the house. It's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, the right words, not everybody who says the right words will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who, listen to that, does the will of my Father, they remain, they embrace my teachings. And on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do the right thing by prophesying in your name? We cast out demons in your name, and we did mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lord, weren't we a part of the household? No, you weren't. I never knew you because you never believed in the Son who remains forever. You've got to believe in the Son. So are you this morning connected to the slave of sin and the flesh of this world and you've been rejecting Jesus? Well, He will reject you one day and He will cast you from His presence. But for those of us who know the Son, Guess what blessing is ours? Eternal life in His presence forever and ever and ever. And the joy of that comes from the Son who abides forever. And the Son's great pleasure was to obey the Father and because of that, we get incredible blessing with that. Here's the last thing. Look at 36. So, if the Son who abides forever sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free. You are free. You and I do not have to live in the bondage of this world and the things of this life. And He is offering this morning freedom, peace, life, security, hope, a secure future. And he had the power and he's been showing it. He's been teaching it over and over. And he's saying it to them one more time. And in our world today, we just have, have, have pursued so many things thinking, if this happens for me, then I will have freedom. And we think today being healthy and looking good brings freedom. 12-step programs don't bring freedom. Nice possessions don't bring freedom. Social justice causes don't bring freedom. Money doesn't bring freedom. One place is freedom found. And that is the Son who remains forever, who laid His life down, and who offers us to come to faith in Him. And our culture is so bent on the pursuit of just getting a better outlook on life and a perception of life, and they never deal with the heart issue. And that is that this sinful nature before Christ has to be dealt with. And only He can deal with it. Only He can forgive. Only He can raise us. And so therefore we have to come to Him. And since the Son makes us free, and trust Him with your whole life. Trust Him with everything about your life. And as we come to know the truth in the Son, then we are to believe and study and walk and preach and sing the truth. And so I want to just visually remind you and I again this morning. If you want to have life, it's found here. And I know it's a small circle. But we have been fooled into thinking that freedom comes with endless boundaries. And the scripture speaks of that freedom comes with boundaries that are connected with the truth of God. That's what the scripture says. 
But our problem is we don't want to live here. And so we embrace darkness. We embrace lies. We live man-centered lives. And I tell you, if you just do, boy, y'all are living on the bad row right here. (laughs) Darkness leads to lies, leads to a man-centered life that leads to anger. Have you ever seen a more angry world than ours? Just craziness. And I want to plead with all my heart this morning that if you're confused gender, if you embrace relative truth, if you're a slave to sin, if you proclaim my truth, I want to say to you today, you will never find truth here. But there's one who invites you to himself to find truth so that the confusion is gone. And you can find truly that what I put right here, Jesus is life. He's life. And I want you to feel the moment that's present in the room right now. This is what happens when God falls upon a place and truth is proclaimed. When he's calling us to him from the lies. To say this, there's hope in me. There's hope in me. I don't offer confusion. I offer clarity. I make things clear. And if there are things today about your life that are unclear and deep confusion, there's one truth, not many truths, and that truth is a person who laid his life down and invites us into relationship with him. You couldn't be in a more better place today, not because... You heard me preach, not that. But because we embrace truth. Because truth makes the difference. So hear the words again from the Son of God's heart. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Chains gone, freedom, hope, life, peace, clarity, direction, right path is found in Christ. And he'll still stand with his arms wide to an obstinate people because his patience and his grace are so amazing. So come to him today. Come to him today if you're fighting him. Your way will not win. You will not win. Your truth is not truth. He is truth. And you will find when you bow to the truth, you'll find freedom, not bondage. So let's come to the light. Let's come to the truth that is only found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.